It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast for week 13 in the NFL. And it is, no, it's week 14. Holy cat, crap, it's week 14. And it's presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just use the promo code PODCAST1 to get a 50% sign-up bonus today. Again, PODCAST1, 50% sign-up bonus today. He is Joe Dolan. He's a total stud, number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world. And I think those of you that have been listening this year, you can see why. He's a total stud. Follow him on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And not only do I have the Fantasy Feast podcast, but on Tuesdays we do power rankings on the Ross Tucker football podcast. We've got the college draft podcast breaking down conference championship weekend and college football. So all kinds of goodies for you over at Ross Tucker Dot com. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, for all of the RT Media podcasts, even Money, all of them, uh, you want to follow at RTF Podcast and check out some of our unbelievable holiday sponsors on the sponsors page over at RossTucker.com. Joe, let's start with Thursday night's game. Should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Cowboys at the Bears. Yeah, the Bears are, are are starting to play pretty well here. The Cowboys uh, are are trying to see which of the two teams in the NFC East can out incompetent the other. Uh, uh, if uh, if uh, to invent a word here, um, I think the Cowboys have more talent than Chicago. I think the Cowboys have more talent than Philadelphia, their division uh, counterparts at this point, but. Who has the coaching edge? And Chicago's actually uh, playing solidly. And we'll start with Chicago. Mitchell Trubisky has hung 19 fantasy points in three of his last four games, believe it or not, including a season best, a season high on Thanksgiving against the Lions. He threw for 338 with three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, He's actually playing pretty well uh, by by I guess anybody's standards, but certainly by his standards. And Dallas's defense has not been very good. We saw what Josh Allen did to them on Thanksgiving, arguably playing the best game of his career. I don't think it's a coincidence, though, that Mitchell Trubisky's kind of breakout here has uh, coincided with Anthony Miller getting more and more snaps and more and more targets. Anthony Miller has 21 catches over his last three games. He has 33 targets over that span, an average of an 11 per game. So Anthony Miller's firmly in the wide receiver three uh, kind of kind of t- uh, tier as you're talking about the Chicago Bears. And, you know, this was a team a couple weeks ago, to me, it was – Allen Robinson or bust. Now, I think Trubisky's a stream-worthy quarterback. I think David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are both flex type of, of running backs. And you can play both Robinson and Anthony Miller from this receiving core. Don't look now, but the Bears are actually starting to pick it up a little bit offensively. And I'm not too sure this Dallas defense in Chicago is going to provide a whole lot of resistance. 
Yeah, well, uh, Anthony Miller tore up Justin Coleman in the second half of that Thanksgiving Day game for sure. How about my Jesper Horstead touchdown call, by the way? Oh, Ross, I was thrilled about that because I used him for DFS on the Thanksgiving slate. And I think I mentioned last week I never win playing on the Thanksgiving slate. I actually broke even, which I consider a victory because uh, I never win playing that slate. You almost have to have a perfect lineup to win anything. Jesper Horstead did help me out, though. I was talking to him before the game. I was like, dude, you got to score a touchdown. He's like, okay, I'll try. (laughs) Well, he tried Um, and he did it. Uh, He only played like 11% of the snaps too. So he actually got it done. Uh, 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 Interesting player, that horse did. That's the only ball they threw to him. I mean, you know, my guess is that'll change now. It's his first catch of the game, only catch of the game. So anyway, what about the Cowboys on the other side? Well, I mean, it's hard to really go against uh, playing Ezekiel Elliott here. Uh, I would definitely play Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup as well. Randall Cobb was a huge disappointment on Thanksgiving. He had just three targets. Uh, he was somebody who who really uh, ended up costing me winning more on, on the DFS slate. Um, the, the problem here is we, we've seen from Dak Prescott, and when you mention this, you're not saying that Dak Prescott's a bad player. Far from it. It's just that he is a very condition-based quarterback. I think he's a clean pocket quarterback who needs close to a full complement of weapons to really, really take advantage. And Ross, going on the road here in Chicago, cold weather, he's been wearing gloves in practice. This is not the greatest of matchups for Dak Prescott. Chances are you don't have a better option for fantasy. However, um, maybe if you've been choosing between, let's say, Dak Prescott and Jameis Winston or Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers this year, maybe this is a week where you consider, hey, I've got to downgrade Dak Prescott. It's not a great matchup for him, especially on the road in, in adverse conditions. Anything with the other guys in particular? No, um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott is really the only guy I feel great about, though I'm definitely playing Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Um, I'm going to consider Cooper a low-end wide receiver one and Gallup a high-end wide receiver three this week. Let's do Panthers at Falcons. We actually had a a, a not-stellar Christian McCaffrey game. Joe. Yeah, uh, against Washington uh, of of all teams, uh, he still went over 100 yards from scrimmage. By the way, so <laughs> that that shows you what we're, the the kind of curve we're grading Christian McCaffrey on. Uh, Ross, there there's no way I'm not all systems go with uh, with Christian McCaffrey this week. It, it's uh, it, he's he's going to get it done. Um, I, I'm 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 in no way worried about him. The question we have for the Panthers is, what Kyle Allen do we get? Because the Kyle Allen we got a few weeks ago, November 17th, against uh, against uh, Atlanta, was not good. He threw four interceptions in that game. Of course, Christian McCaffrey caught 11 passes, and DJ Moore had 8 for 95 on 15 targets. So that's what I'm focusing on. Even in a terrible game for Kyle Allen, arguably the worst he's played all year with four interceptions, Christian McCaffrey put up over 30 points in a PPR without scoring a touchdown, and DJ Moore had 15 targets and 8 for 95 receiving. So those are the guys that I'm focused on because even when they played poorly against Atlanta, those guys came through. Uh, The question I have now for Carolina, if Greg Olson misses, can you take a shot on Ian Thomas as a streaming tight end? That's uh that that's a possibility. Greg Olson left last week with a concussion and Curtis Samuel finally did something last week to maybe get himself back on the wide receiver three consideration, but just know that he is a highly, highly volatile player. 
What about on the other side with the Atlanta Falcons? Well, we obviously have to see about Julio Jones's uh, injury. He did not play on Thanksgiving, and Russell Gage uh, pushed it to the end there for a lot of people who had streamed him or played him for DFS, but he got in the end zone. Uh, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage are certainly in consideration, but I wonder, uh, for a guy who's had really an underwhelming season, how about how badly the Carolina Panthers are getting creamed on the ground? I mean... Last week against Washington, Darius Geis goes nuts. Adrian Peterson goes nuts. Could this be a spot for Devontae Freeman to get in the end zone on the ground? He did not play in the last game against Carolina. Freeman has not scored a rushing touchdown all season. If he is going to get in the box this year as a runner, I think this is the game he's got to do. It. Carolina has been hemorrhaging points to, to running backs. Moving on to more of the Sunday slate. You've got the Colts. A little disappointing with the, those Colts. I don't know what Jacoby Brissett was doing with those picks at the Tampa Bay Bucks, who actually won without Jameis and the receivers going crazy. Start with the Colts. Oh, well, let, well, we will start with the Colts. Jacoby Brissett, 319, but he had the two picks. But with uh, Philadelphia's receiving core getting a little bit healthier, Alshon Jeffrey and, uh, and Nelson Aguilar were back last week. I think the Colts right now, if T.Y. Hilton can't play, might have the worst receiving core in the entire NFL. Eric Ebron's on IR. Their leading two target guys last week were Zach Pascal and Jack Doyle, and I would have to imagine that continues for Indianapolis. And we'll start with Pascal, who's going to be very, very popular for DFS. This is a great matchup against Tampa Bay. He had 10 targets and 7 for 109 last week. Jacoby Brissett's got to throw the ball to somebody, and I think he's going to throw it to Zach Pascal and Jack Doyle, who had six for 73 in a touchdown last week. So those two guys are on the radar. The question now becomes what happens in the backfield? Just when we thought Jonathan Williams was the guy, he takes a backseat to both Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines against the Titans. Is Marlon Mack back this week? If he is back, you acknowledge that Tampa Bay's run defense has been really good all season. So you downgrade him a little bit, even though you've got to play him. That's about it for the Indianapolis Colts. You're, you can take a shot on Pascal and Doyle. I am not playing Brissett even in this great matchup because he doesn't have a lot of weapons. And I am downgrading Marlon Mack, even if he's back. What about on the other side, their counterparts in Tampa Bay? Well, Ross, you, you you nailed it. I mean, maybe the most disappointing fantasy performance we've seen all year from a team because Tampa Bay scores 28 points in a solid matchup against Jacksonville. Their leading two receivers were Brashad Perriman and O.J. Howard. Their leading rusher was Peyton Barber. Their second leading rusher was Jameis Winston. So a really frustrating game for Tampa Bay. And, and I've said it on this podcast before. I am so glad I didn't draft Ronald Jones anywhere because he is driving people nuts. You can only play him as a flex play. I know Tennessee crushed him on the ground with Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry and Ronald Jones are at the opposite end of the spectrum right now. Jones is a flex. I am not trusting Peyton Barber. Um, I do believe Ronald Jones is going to get the first opportunity this week. Bruce Arians came out and said they essentially benched him because he missed missed a blitz pickup. So you have to understand the volatility for Ronald Jones. Um, and I'm going back to the well with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. How do you not? These guys are, are a threat for 150 and two touchdowns each and every week. They just both had a bad game against the Jaguars last week. And I think Jameis is streamable as well. But a really, really rough fantasy game for Tampa Bay, which really just did not need a whole lot of firepower to beat Jacksonville last week. 
Let's get to the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. Joe, I think Devontae Parker had one of the five best games by a receiver this season against the Eagles on Sunday. He was unbelievable. Well, so uh, I've heard conflicting reports, but I guess Miami actually has an option for Devontae Parker. And I thought for sure Devontae Parker was balling out uh, for a contract year. Uh, we'll see if, if Miami moves him or, or declares him part of their future. But he was unstoppable against Philadelphia. I mean, physical catches. He was getting down the field, contested catches in the red zone, just everything. I, I mean, I've never seen him play with that much attitude. As a matter of fact, uh, I think uh, for people who acknowledge Devontae Parker's talent but were frustrated by him, I would think his play personality was one of the things that bothered them about him because he he never he at points didn't take advantage of his physical traits. Well, I think we've been seeing that this year. He's actually been one of the single most consistent receivers in all of fantasy football. And I'll fully admit I missed the train on Devontae Parker. I was not falling for it this year. We I've fallen for it three years running with the with the camp hype. This year, the camp hype actually turned out. Uh, fool me eight times, uh, shame on me, I guess. Uh, but Devontae Parker is getting it done. You have to continue rolling with Devontae Parker. There is no doubt about it. He is right now a fantasy stud. And in with that, I think you can consider Ryan Fitzpatrick as a streaming quarterback this week if one of your starters or maybe you've been streaming all year – it, against the Jets, I think it's a good matchup. Andy Dalton had a solid game last week, should have had a second touchdown pass uh, that C.J. Uzoma dropped, so I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is in play. Also in play is Mike Kosicki. Ross, you saw him at Penn State. You also understand that for tight ends in the NFL, sometimes it takes a long time for everything to start clicking, and it feels like the game at this point has slowed down for Mike Kosicki. Yeah, he's really starting to make plays. Uh extremely gifted athlete, tremendous body control and hands. He was awesome in that game against the Eagles as well. Yeah, they couldn't stop Parker or Gasicki. They had a lot of problem with the size. Uh, and then the one guy you can consider in the backfield is Patrick Laird. Kalen Balaj uh, was carted off with an injury. Patrick Laird ended up playing above 60% of the snaps. I know we talked about him on the podcast a couple weeks ago, but he had a rushing touchdown. He did only have five yards rushing, but he had a rushing touchdown. More importantly, he caught four passes for 43 yards. If you need a deep flex, I think Patrick Laird is going to be the lead back for Miami against the Jets this week. On the other side against the Jets, wow, that was a disappointing performance Huge by them against the Bengals. Well, especially since I thought Sam Darnold was a really good streaming quarterback last week, but it just did not happen. Just 239 yards passing on 48 pass attempts. Um, they were behind pretty much the entire game. Still, um, Cincinnati averaged just 4.4 4 yards per play. I mean, this this should not have been a game that was uh, as lopsided as it looked. Um, I, and Sam Darnold dropping back 48 times while Le'Veon Bell gets 10 carries, and that just can't happen. It cannot happen, and it's been a problem all year. Um, the big disappointment for the Jets here, what has happened to Jamison Crowder? A few weeks ago, we were talking about how consistent he was. He catches just two of nine targets for eight yards. That is the second consecutive game. Jamison Crowder has just two catches for under 20 yards. The first time that has happened since week number five, when uh, when uh, uh, I one of the two, David Fales or Luke Falk, I forget which jabroni, started against the Eagles in that game. But that was the first time that's happened, and it's happened in back-to-back -back games. So a complete disaster for Jamison Crowder, who at this point, Ross, I mean, with some of the with 16 teams playing, 
I cannot trust Jamison Crowder right now. And then back from the dead is Robbie Anderson, who scored two weeks ago and then had 100 yards receiving against the Bengals. This is not a good Miami secondary. Buried in the fact that the Eagles had one of the most embarrassing defensive performances of the entire season is that they shredded Miami secondary. Alshon Jeffrey had nearly 150 yards receiving. So I think Robbie Anderson and Ryan Griffin are playable in this passing game. But unfortunately, you've got to bench Jamison Crowder right now. I don't know how you can trust a guy who just caught only two of nine targets, even in a, in a glorious matchup against Miami. I can't trust that in a playoff matchup. Sunday, 1 o'clock, awesome game. Niners, Saints, what do you got, Joe? Uh, the Niners, boy, their schedule is really starting to get nasty. Uh, the Saints obviously got Marshawn Lattimore back, which is big for them, and that's bad news for Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel. I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the boys have thrived when matchups have been good, and they've kind of struggled when matchups haven't been. Obviously, the conditions were not great uh, in Baltimore. They'll be far better in New Orleans, obviously, indoors, but it will be hostile. So I'm considering Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel both wide receiver threes. You have to play George Kittle. I know the numbers weren't there last week, but he played 100% of the snaps. I don't know how he's doing it with this injury, but he played every single snap. The question now becomes, what do we do? with the San Francisco backfield. I just don't know. Um, Tevin Coleman, you cannot play. He is not playable right now for fantasy in a in a playoff matchup. He has been really struggling. Raheem Mostert was the guy last week, and he looked explosive. 146 and a touchdown against the Ravens defense. Um, so this is, a, this is a big, big breakout game for Raheem Mostert. But Matt Breida might be back. Adam Schefter reported early on Sunday that, that Breida was going to play against the Ravens, and then it started to rain, and then he kind of backtracked and said, hey, look, we're going to we're, we're gonna, we're gonna give him another week. They want him to be 100%. So if Breida is back, what do they do in the backfield? I'm considering both he and Mostert flexes at best, and you cannot play Tevin Coleman right now. On the other side for the Saints, what do you got? Uh, I knew it was going to happen. We uh, we finally last week gave gave them credit for being a well-defined fantasy team. And Taysom Hill scores two touchdowns on Thanksgiving. So thank you, Sean Payton. Thank <laughs> you for sh for shoving it up our butts. Uh, they are still a well-defined fantasy team, though. Ross, I need, I need Alvin Kamara to get in the end zone. Can we please get this guy in the end zone? He is killing people, despite the fact that overall he's playing pretty well. I thought he looked really explosive uh, uh, the last few weeks, but he has not scored a touchdown since week three. As a matter of fact, that's the only game this year that he scored in. He scored twice. So this has been terrible for Alvin Kamara. He's been a huge fantasy disappointment strictly because of the lack of touchdowns, but you do have to play him against San Francisco. Um, Michael Thomas in play as always. Drew Brees in play as always. Jared Cook is starting to come alive. However, uh, he did drop the touchdown. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day, I know people were disappointed by that, but he has scored in four of his last six games, and it should have been five of his last six games. He should have caught the touchdown on Thanksgiving against Atlanta. He still had three for 85 receiving. So in a game where the it's, I project it to be close, probably not using Latavius Murray. You're not using any of the secondary weapons against this, this uh, really good 49er defense. Really, it's the Breeze, Thomas, and Kamara show. All of them are in my lineup, and I'm not really thinking about anybody else. Lions at the Vikings, Joe. 
Uh, I know David Blau had that really strong first half, but things really, really calmed down for him after that. Jeff Driscoll goes on IR, uh, 22 of 38 for Blau. Um, it is a not a great Viking defense. Um, I think this is an exploitable secondary down the field. So if you saw what happened last week with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay getting open, uh, I consider them both kind of wide receiver two, wide receiver three fringe guys here with David Blau, no doubt about that. Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm not really anticipating Detroit to be very much in this game, which won't allow them to really ride Bo Scarborough. They're 13 and a half point underdogs, basically two touchdown underdogs here in Minnesota. I think that does not bode well for Bo Scarborough. Uh, he is a low end flex to me. He has not been used in the passing game whatsoever. Uh, as a matter of fact, he doesn't have a catch on the season. He has only one target in his three games. So uh, I would expect this to be more of a J.D. McKissick game uh, in the backfield for the Detroit Lions. But really, the only guys I feel comfortable about playing in this game are Galladay and Jones. The, the Lions just put T.J. Hawkinson on IR, too, by the way. So uh, uh, not a, a Lions team that is not playing with anywhere near a full deck. And then what about for the Vikings offensively? Well, the big question is, what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook came out uh, this morning and said, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Uh, he came out and said Tuesday morning that he expects fully to play against the Lions. The question is, do the Vikings expect him to play against the Lions? They are 14-point favorites. They're two touchdown favorites, basically. Um, they could rest Dalvin Cook this week, and that would open the door for Alexander Madison. If Alexander Madison is on your waiver wire, I don't care if you have Dalvin Cook or not. Go get him now. He he was uh, about owned in about a third of Yahoo leagues. So I think people understood he was one of those premium handcuffs. But if he's out there and you are in the playoffs, you must go pick him up. We are not going to know until later in the week on Dalvin Cook. If Dalvin Cook does not go, Alexander Madison is a shoe in for 20 touches with the Vikings as two touchdown favorites against a Detroit defense that has not stopped running backs all season long. You must go pick up Alexander Madison uh, at receiver. Uh, we'll see about Adam Thielen. He did not go on Monday night. Um, you would think uh, Stefan Diggs is going to see Darius Slay, which is a problem. He did not have a great game against Seattle, but we have to see about Thielen. So uh, Kirk Cousins, if Phelan goes, I think is a solid mid-range starter. Uh, Kyle Rudolph is in play. But the big question we have for the Minnesota Vikings is what is going on in that backfield. Go get Alexander Madison, whether you think Dalvin Cook is going to play or not. Broncos, Texans. Joe. The Broncos were interesting because I thought Drew Locke made a couple of throws in that game, um, but the overall numbers were not impressive last week for him. And, and you know what? Against the Chargers in your first career start, uh, I, I don't know if the Broncos wanted to see any more other than Locke making a couple of throws. What we have seen, though, this secondary for the Texans is exploitable down the field. You must play Cortland Sutton. Sutton. Four catches, two touchdowns. He is on the wide receiver two radar, even with Drew Locke at quarterback. So um, even though I think the Texans are a really good streaming defense this week, I think Drew Locke uh, made some cross-body throws that some of them didn't, didn't hurt him. Others did. Uh, I think Cortland Sutton is certainly going to be in play here uh, as a wide receiver two, but you can also play the Texan defense. Drew Locke not in consideration, and the only back from the Broncos you can play at this point is Philip Lindsay, who has taken a significant touch lead over Royce Freeman the last three weeks. There are two players worth considering from Denver, Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton. I think Lindsay is more of a flex. Cortland Sutton is a locked-in wide receiver, too. What about 
for the Texans. They scored some touchdowns against the Patriots. You don't see that very often. Yeah, Deshaun Watson played a really good game. Um, Deshaun Watson's one of those guys. I think he's he's a playmaking quarterback, and sometimes he runs into sacks. Other times he makes the wow plays, and and that's something you just live with with Deshaun Watson because of his special ability. Um, the the big disappointment was Will Fuller, just one catch for eight yards. But we did acknowledge that uh, that it's a tough matchup against New England. DeAndre Hopkins got his by throwing a touchdown pass to Deshaun Watson. So we didn't expect that, but DeAndre Hopkins is going to have the tough matchup with Chris Harris this week. Um, uh, not a matchup that like really scares me away. Just keep that in mind. Maybe you think they go back to the well with Will Fuller because uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to have the tougher matchup. I'm going to be playing Will Fuller for DFS this week uh, for the Texans. The problem for the Texans is what do we do with the backfield? Carlos Hyde did nothing last week. Duke Johnson actually ended up having a really strong game. I don't understand why teams, and this is dating back to the Browns, don't use Duke Johnson more. But Duke Johnson's been explosive all year. He's been great with the ball in his hands. I think both he and Carlos Hyde are low-end flexes. And I give a slight edge to Hyde this week with the Texans as home favorites. Next game on the docket, we have got... The Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills, another juicy one o'clock Sunday game. Yeah, it's a really good one. The Bills are at home, and, and this is their second week in a row with a chance to make a statement here. Uh, we'll start with Baltimore. You're playing Lamar Jackson, okay? Like, Lamar did not throw the ball well at all last week. He still ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown. I mean, you, you take away all his pass attempts, and he still would have been worth a start. So, I mean, that's just the kind of upside and floor that this guy gives you. And, and, and look— uh, the conditions are not going to be great in Buffalo. It's a tough defense, but as we saw last week, he can throw the ball poorly and still come through. The guy I'm going to sit this week is Hollywood Brown. Uh, he had just one catch against the 49ers for, uh, I think, like one yard. I, I don't. I think it was just a one-catch, one-yard game uh, on two targets for him. Uh, Tredavious White is a tough matchup, as we've seen. Uh, I'm, I'm not thrilled about Hollywood Brown, but the other three Ravens, um, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, and Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews, they're all in your lineup as they are every week. And what about on the other side with the Bills? Uh, another tough matchup for John Brown, but I think his upside is just so high that you have to play him. Uh, even though he had only three for 26 receiving against Dallas, he threw the touchdown pass. So they were trying to get him involved in different ways. So John Brown's in your lineup. Um, the one guy who I, I has been really good for fantasy that I would be worried about this week is Cole Beasley because they can put Marlon Humphrey in the slot. And I think that would Cole Beasley killed the Cowboys last week, but I think it's a tough matchup for him. Not somebody that I'd feel great about um, really for Buffalo. I think Josh Allen is in consideration despite this being a tough matchup because he can run around and make plays. And I'm considering Devin Singletary, but I anticipate this to be a pretty low scoring game, at least from Buffalo's end. So not a great matchup for anybody with the Bills. I think Singletary is a flex play. I think Josh Allen is a low end starter. I think John Brown is a low end wide receiver, too, given the matchup. And those are really the only guys I'm considering. I don't like the matchup for Cole Beasley in this game. Joe, it is the battle for Ohio and Andy Dalton is back. Uh, Bengals, Browns. Thrown, yeah, Bengals and the Browns. Andy Dalton should have thrown two touchdown passes last week. C.J. Uzoma dropped one. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't think A.J. Green's going to play this year. I think that's become pretty obvious. 
But the Bengals did activate John Ross, or, or at least expect to activate him. And he had those huge games early in the year with Dalton at quarterback. So maybe you take a shot on him off the waiver wire. I probably wouldn't be playing him this week, but get like let give me a uh, give me just a look see at what he's going to do, and then maybe I can consider playing him in week fifteen and sixteen if Andy Dalton continues to be the quarterback here. Uh, Tyler Boyd back in the saddle. He had 100 yards in Ryan Finley's final start, and then he scores in Andy Dalton's uh, uh, return to the lineup. So Tyler Boyd is back in the saddle as a wide receiver, too. Um, Joe Mixon has been getting it done. I actually talked to him on the radio this past weekend. He has been getting it done uh, despite all the circumstances working against him. He's been pretty much a rock-solid running back, too. Um, I'm probably not thrilled with Dalton as a streaming quarterback. I think there are other options this week. But uh, he he gave some competence to that to that Bengal offense that they just did not have with Ryan Finley at quarterback. So I think he raises the ceiling and the floor of this entire Bengal offense. And that's good news for Boyd, for Ross, and for Mixon. What about the Browns? Well, you would really hope they get it done this week. And I, I, I'm going to catch some heat for this, but I but I tweeted it out. Um, this week, I understand that the schedule has been really tough. You know, you play Pittsburgh twice, you play Baltimore twice with, if you're Cleveland, um, uh, you know, they've played Buffalo. They've had some really tough matchups for Odell Beckham, but at some point when a team trades a, a high pick, a starting offensive lineman and whatever else for you, you've got to get it done in a tough matchup, don't you? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins gets it done in tough matchups every now and again. Amari Cooper, every now and again, he did it this past week against Tredavious White. Odell Beckham, put up some freaking numbers in a tough matchup. Is that so much to ask? I mean, Ross, for much of the year, the guy's been a ghost. And, and, and look, the numbers overall don't look that bad for Odell Beckham. But I mean, like these tough matchups, he's just not getting it done at all. He has just two touchdowns on the year. Fortunately... This is a good matchup against Cincinnati. He has got to get in the box this week against Cincinnati. It's a great matchup. Robbie Anderson just went for over 100 yards. So you have to play Beckham. You have to play Jarvis Landry. And I love Baker Mayfield this week. But for the love of God, Odell Beckham, in a tough matchup, do it every once in a while. That's all we're asking. It, it's been it's been frustrating, Ross. Yeah, sounds like it. And you're right. He should be able to get it done. Um Let's go Redskins Packers. Uh, yeah, the, with the Redskins here, uh, last week I said Terry McLaurin or bust. I wonder if I have to change that to Darius Geis or bust. The problem for Washington is that Darius Geis played the fewest snaps despite the huge game. He played the fewest snaps of their three running backs, Chris Thompson, Adrian Peterson, and Geis. Um, I would love to say they're going to give Darius Geis more snaps, but – at this point, despite the big game last week against Carolina, you do have to take into account that he didn't play all those snaps. So he is a flex play. He is the only back here you can play, uh, but he is a flex play. And Terry McLaurin is a low-end wide receiver three. Uh, he has His numbers have been tanked by Dwayne Haskins. So even though I don't find this a scary matchup, you do have to keep in mind it's in Green Bay. They're potentially bad weather. Um, definitely not uh, the greatest spot for Dwayne Haskins. So really, uh, the only guy I feel halfway decent about is Darius Geis, and even that I have to talk myself into. What about on the other side, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, four touchdown passes in the snow? 
Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers had a really strong game. He's been very matchup dependent, and this is a good one, uh, fortunately for him. Uh, two weeks ago, he was terrible against San Francisco, but he threw throws four touchdowns in a great matchup against the, the, the Giants. I would be going back to the well with Aaron Rodgers and certainly Devontae Adams. They're going to be very popular for DFS. Um, unfortunately, no other receiver on this team is worth consideration. Alan Lazard's game of, uh, of 19 fantasy points in week 13 against the Giants was the first Packer wide receiver or tight end to go over 10 fantasy points not named Devontae Adams since week seven. It took six weeks for that to happen. No way you can trust Alan Lazard or any of these other receivers. If you have like Valdez Scantling or Geronimo Allison on your roster at this point, you're just wasting a bench spot. They're useless. Um, uh, Alan Lazard is the only other one who's even worth a prayer shot in a deep league, but I'm not considering him in, in most leagues. Uh, this is just... It's a one-man passing game with uh, with Devontae Adams. The disappointment has been the backfield. Um, Aaron Jones has uh, – now, look, I think he lost a touchdown to, to penalty. might have lost two to penalty last week. But after he was on just this utter run of scoring touchdowns up through week 10, he's come out of the bye and has done absolutely nothing. Over his last two games against the 49ers and the Giants, he has just 24 carries for 56 yards and four catches for 13 yards. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on. I still consider him an RB2 at this point, but he's an RB2 only, and Jamal Williams is a flex right now. Aaron Jones has been a huge disappointment and might have been the reason, if you were eliminated in the last couple of weeks, might have been the big reason for that. Excellent work, Joe. I've been saying for a long time, you are a keeper. Speaking of keeper, by the way, before we dive into the afternoon games and Sunday night, Monday night in episode number two, I need to make sure everybody listening that is starting to lose your hair or even before you start to lose your hair, you need to know about keeps. Dot com. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. Heck, for me, it was by the time I was 30. But here's the deal. There are two FDA-approved medicines that go ahead, and they are able to help you keep your hair. One is a pill. I take one every morning. already took one this morning. Another is a topical, rub it on the top of my head and then my bald spot in the morning and at night, and it keeps the hair that you have. Keeps now offers a prescription shampoo, by the way, as well. 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss is the Keeps treatments. 90% effective. Here's the deal. If you're ready to actually take action and prevent hair loss, Go to keeps.com slash feast to receive your first month of treatment for free. Highly recommend this. If you think you're starting to lose your hair at all, I was told one time that you don't even notice it till 50% of your hair in an area is gone. Go to keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash feast. Again, keeps.com slash feast k-e-e-p-s dot com slash feast and you get your first month of treatment for free why not also why not bry and joe why not 
if you, depending on when you listen to this, why not fire up episode number two? That will be posted for those of you listening to this on a Tuesday. It'll be posted in your podcast app after midnight on Wednesday. Yes, we have the Power Rankings Tuesday up on the RTFP, and we have the College Draft Podcast. Other than that, my belly's full. I can get, though, Joe, the dessert of episode two that we will record now. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.